0: I am not a person who really enjoys the micro-optimization phase of a company. I'm just much more of an early stage person. I like that wading into a big fat mess of not knowing what an answer is and systematically cutting through until you get down to uh, a solution and beginning to really
1: refine that. And that's what I love doing. Date, June 2015, episode 123 with Josh Brewer, co-creator of 52 Weeks of UX, former principal designer at Twitter and mentor at designer Fund. Josh talks about the perks at Twitter, the design team, how they conducted user tests and also about his reasoning for leaving Twitter to work on something else. This episode is sponsored by the lovely people at Media Temple and Cold School. During your time there, what were the perks designers could expect working at a place like Twitter?
0: Perks. Well, we had all the bacon that you could possibly eat. And a lot of candy Uh, I saw. Tons of candy. We had really good coffee. You know, they they definitely took care of uh, the employees. The meals were fantastic. You know, there was breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Everyone had a really good setup as far as their, you know, work machine goes. Um, A lot of people had, you know, a a really good laptop uh, as well as, you know, a, a nice big monitor, if not an iMac, that they worked on. You know, we definitely... Did like team offsites and tried to do a lot of stuff together as a design team. You know, there's no doubt that being in San Francisco now, and even say the last five or six years, there's just like the perks are they're great. But I think if you asked any of the designers that were there, perks really paled in comparison to getting to work on a product that we really loved and believed in with other really talented and amazingly
1: thoughtful designers. How did you conduct user tests at Twitter? Uh,
0: So we were really fortunate. Uh, Even when I joined, there were two researchers on the team that were part of the design team. And in the first year, ah, somewhere, I think right around the first year I was there, maybe a little after, we hired a woman named Grace Kim, who was absolutely one of the best researchers I've had the privilege of working with. And Grace grew and still continues to lead the research team at Twitter. So a lot of the early, early research stuff was kind of like traditional, you know, prototypes and user testing. We'd recruit some people in. Uh, Depending on what we were doing, it could be people who'd never even heard of Twitter or people who were, like, super advanced and, you know, just kind of run through the traditional process. Over time, we began to do, you know, surveys and, like, the amount of research that went into people's understanding of Twitter as a product and, and what the kind of, you know, even net promoter score for Twitter was uh, became important to decision-making uh, and especially to decisions around what things we needed to focus on in the product. So I consider the user research stuff critical. You know, some of the designers on the team did some of the uh, tests and a lot of times we'd have designers and, and engineers that were part of a feature being tested. They would watch that interview session throughout the day. We had like a streaming you know, video where you could kind of drop in and out uh, throughout the day as they did the interviews. And it was awesome for designers and engineers to see these people using the product that you built and really hearing them talk about what made sense, what they didn't understand, what they would change, you know, all these different things. And um, so... A lot of it early on was much more kind of guerrilla style, and it definitely got more official, if you will, and, and more broad in the different types of research that we did over time.
1: Hey, between screen listeners, this is John Friscus from Code School here to say hello. If you're not familiar with us, Code School is an online learning destination for existing and aspiring developers that teaches through entertaining content. With experienced instructors and high-quality courses, over a million people have trusted CodeSchool to teach the most popular development languages by turning learning into a game-like experience. So check us out at CodeSchool.com and start learning by doing. For years, Mina & Service has been the web hosting choice of more designers, developers, and creative professionals than any other platform. A single grid account can host anything from your portfolio site to 100 different client projects. And the grid is ready for anything. Hundreds of servers work together in the cloud to keep your sites online, even if you suddenly hit the front page of Reddit. Also check out their new WordPress hosting product, as well as their launching of Google apps for work. Virtual private server solutions are also available with their DV and DV developer hosting plans. You can use the promo code SCREEN25 for 25% off web hosting. Go to mediatemple.net and enter your promo code upon sign up. Thanks for listening. you can talk about it career-wise what made you move on i mean after all you were in a unique position to influence millions people's lives through your design right so for many designers this is a dream come true why did you leave that behind
0: i can talk about it it's a long there's not a short answer to it and i haven't talked publicly too much about it but um i'll say this you're right on a lot of levels i had a dream job i had my dream job and you know, there is definitely in the last two years, there were moments where I was like, oh my God, what did I do? You know, like, (laughs) Uh, but part of it really came down to the fact that um, my personal philosophy and the things that I care about sometimes did not line up with uh, some of the goals and numbers that were driving decisions that we had to make, you know, incentivizing behaviors that I did not consider to be healthy. And at the same time, You know, I knew that Twitter more or less wasn't going to change too dramatically in the next couple of years, no matter what I did. We were on a steady march toward an IPO, which meant stabilizing and kind of like just firming up a lot of the things that we'd spent the last few years building. It also, you know, meant more time in meetings and more bureaucracy than it did uh, actually doing design work. And for me personally, I just had to stare that in the face and ask myself if that's what I really wanted to do with my time. And I also happened to have had an idea that I really, really wanted to pursue. And so those two things kind of dovetailed together and it took months and months to really kind of come to grips with like, Oh my God, am I actually going to leave? You know? And I hit a point where it was just, I couldn't not go try to do this thing that I wanted to do. And, um, and so I stepped away. You know, I don't regret it at all. i uh, I actually think for me personally and in my journey, it was it was the right thing to do. You know, I hope and pray that i I left enough of a mark on that company and and helped set some things in motion that continued to uh, kind of play out today in the way that people think about you know, what we do and the impact of the things that we design and the behaviors that we encourage um, and just being aware of those things. I felt like that was the thing with the team that I really left there and, and, and an optimism uh, that, that Twitter really still could be something that did good in the world. And, uh, and from all the folks that I know that are still there, it seems like some of that has, has definitely uh, stayed around. So I'm happy about that.
1: From the outside, my guess was that on the one hand you kind of already solved the biggest design challenges for Twitter as a product at the time, and on the other hand, Twitter was moving from a reasonably design-driven company towards more of a growth-driven company. I guess that's
0: uh, a pretty good guess from the outside. There was no doubt. There's a lot of decisions that were driven purely by metrics and by numbers, and um, and I don't fault them for doing that at all. You know. There's a lot of stuff about the way things uh, were done and decisions that were made that all kinds of people have all kinds of opinions on. But I think you really did hit the nail on the head. For me, um, I am not a person who really enjoys the micro-optimization phase of a company. I'm just much more of an early-stage person. I like that wading into a big, fat mess of not knowing what an answer is and systematically cutting through until you get down to... Uh, a solution and beginning to really refine that and that's what I love doing and and you know there definitely were plenty of other things that we wanted to explore and that I could have uh, sunk my teeth into but I just deep down in my being knew that for me I wanted to create a company that put design at the heart of what we did and put the user and the customer you know at the at the center would that have been possible like with this company with at that time I, I I don't honestly know we fought for it uh every day uh, i mean i will I will go to my grave, giving Doug Bowman a tremendous amount of uh, credit for how much he consistently put our people who used our product at, uh, right in the middle of the discussion over and over and over. And um, it did, it had an effect and over time that began to become a more critical component in how we thought about the product and how we made decisions. Uh, but it, it was an arduous task for sure.
1: Before you check out, maybe take a look at Tentative.fm. It's a great podcast about digital product design from our friends at ThoughtBot. It is awesome.